The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can! With Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be a give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. That's me, baby. Heather Wagonhalls here. This is the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, and it is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at keystoriches.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And you could even pick, yes, you can, 2.0, the seven elements for self-empowerment, my latest book. Uh, all you have to do, you can get it for free. Why are you giggling? I was giggling about something else. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, <clears throat> that, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, is our maestro of Moolah Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And I am Heather Wagonhalls, your hostess with the Financial Mostess, and we will help you get your money mind right on today's show with the Keys to Riches Financial Philosophy. Uh, Miguel, what is this week's key? Become a voracious reader. Yes, it is. It is our final key in this season in our Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Moolah words of the day. I'm pretty excited about that. It's important because people say, oh, well, the stock market's going down. You can't make money when the stock market goes down. Well, I'm going to show you how on today's show. Uh, then we're also going to talk about this week's key, which is become a voracious reader. And our money drama is um, one about being stifled. Hmm. And we think, you know, and, and I've heard this so many times from people that I did enough reading and I'm like, have you read the book? Blah, blah, blah. Like I'll be in the middle of a really great discussion about yeah, something. Yeah. And they're like, no, I swore I would never touch another book after I got out of yeah. college. Well, that's not a good idea. It, while they're bragging about never touching a book, how proud they are that I haven't read anything since college. They're busy complaining about how crappy their marriage is, how crappy their kids are, how they don't have any money, and how they can't get ahead. But if they just read books, they could solve all their problems. Read a book. Read a book, silly. It's, it's, uh, it's not as difficult as people may think. A lot of it has to do with the quality of reading skills. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, and, and we're right. dealing with generations of folks that learned how to read with the CSA learning method and they didn't learn phonics and how to break down words, you know, and, and so that I'm, makes it more difficult. I'm not a good reader. I never was. But you know what I'm doing now? I'm reading a page at a time. If I got to limit it to that. That's what I'm doing. And, you know, what? you're jumping ahead. That's part of our little philosophy here. Yeah. That's how we oh, get to be oh, better oh, readers. Oh. Yeah. So you just keep your, your strategies right. tight until it's to that part of the show. Got it? Got it. All right. Anyway, uh, how about Moolah Word? How Why don't we go there? And we'll distract people I'll since you're already starting to give, to give out tips without the reasons behind it. <laughs> Good job. See if I can give away the Moolah Word. Yeah, stop, stop <laughs> ruining the show. 
All right, moolah word of the day is a moolah phrase. And our moolah phrase is short sale. So this is borrowing a security or a commodity futures contract. Uh, so these could be options or, you know, controlling. Um, well, I, I got to be careful how I do this. So just uh, it's borrowing a security from a broker and selling it with the understanding that it must later be bought back and returned to the broker. Okay, so um, you can sell um, short against the box where you own the stock. That's shorting against the box um, where you own the underlying stock. But the idea is that when you short a stock is you don't pay for it up front. You buy it. And I use open quotations. If you were watching this show, uh, you would know that I'm, I'm saying you would buy it um, under the. Uh, with the understanding that you're predicting the market's going to go down and that when it comes time to pay it up, you will have bought it in the market at a lower price and then able to replenish the stock, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so short selling is a way to capture, you know, value out of the market without being an initial investor. Now, if you buy or like if you borrow this stock, if you short sale, meaning you sell a stock without owning it is essentially what you're doing. Wow. Is you're selling a stock without owning under the anticipation that the market's going to go down and you're going to make the spread. If you can't or the market goes the other way, somebody's going to be SOL because you're still going to have to go buy that stock to give it back. And now it's going to cost you money. It's not going to make you money because you sold it at a certain price, but had to buy it at a price $2 more expensive. So the opposite happens. But short selling is is essentially selling something you don't have in the with the anticipation of going out and buying it for less than you sold it for. This is what hedge fund guys do. Right. Uh, yes, yes. So they're they're anticipating stock is going to go down, but but it's not. But but hedge funds play the odds. They they anticipate the thing. It's a little bit more involved than mm-hmm. that. But but if you think in form in in terms of a, a single stock or a single share or a group of shares like a single company, mm-hmm. and let's say you think Apple's going to go down. You know, uh, you you were talking with everybody at lunch and you heard that sales for the new iPhone weren't really high and you think, oh, maybe they'll go down. I will short sale these stocks. I don't own them personally. I'm, I'll short sale these stocks and then and, and I'll short sale them today in the anticipation that the market's going to drop and I'm going to buy them to fulfill that sale. And what's the I mean, maybe this is the wrong time to bring this up, but what's the process? How do you do that? You call a broker to do it or Yeah, you do you or you would execute a trade. You'd have to have the right type of trading account if you did it online. If you uh-huh. were doing online trading, you'd have to have permission to have that kind of an account. Um and you'd be buying on margin to be kind of like using a credit card, if uh-huh. you will. Um that's kind of a, a credit line. Not really. No. You know, I mean, I could sell you like let's say, you know, you need a car and you're like, "Yeah, I'd like a like a 19 19- you know, 82 Buick or whatever. And, uh, so I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, what do you want to pay for that Buick Regal? How about 10 grand? And you're like, okay. And so now I sold the car to you. I took your 10 grand, but I got to go find me a Buick Regal because I don't got one. And I, cause I still got to deliver you the car. And so I'm hoping that it's going to cost me less than 10 grand to go buy that car to bring it to you. I see. Does that make sense? That's all I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, that is a big gamble. 
Because mm-hmm. you have three days to settle a stock. Okay. You know what I mean? When you buy it. So that's kind of what a short sale is. Okay. Yeah. That, that helps a lot to, to use the Buick analogy. There you go. Gotta love Buicks. That's what it's all about, making an, an analogy that we, we musicians can understand. Because <laughs> we don't get it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, this divination wasn't so good when you say borrow. Like, all of, I'm selling you something I don't own and I'm hoping to go buy it cheaper. Yeah. Is what it is. Yeah. The technical it's term, exactly is, because yeah. because that sale is going to have to be fulfilled. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I've got to I got to be able to do that. So if I don't have it, I got to borrow it from somebody else yeah. or buy it from somebody yeah. else. You know, to make that happen. So that's our moolah word of the day. On to this week's key, shall we? So we are at our 13th key, which is the final key in the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome to the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. The Keys to Riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. It also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, building wealth while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management. Skills, And we do these very simply, one key at a time, one week at a time here at Keys to Riches Radio. And let's recap the C, the keys. So if somebody just hops in on this particular episode, they're going to be like, this is the last one. I, I, what are the others? And uh, so I'm going to share them with you briefly. So it will entice you to go either continue listening so you can start over next week with the first key, or you can go download past episodes at keys to riches.com. How great is that? Cause it's a syndicated show. So if you're not in the area to get it uh, on the airways, if you get it from a podcatcher, uh, then you've got to be able to get, to, you've got to be able to have another way to go get those back episodes and you can do it at Lipson or you can do it at our other website, our sister site, unlockyourwealthradio.com, but keystoriches.com has them all right there. So you can really learn the process in that fashion right there. So the first key, because what we do is we do biology-based money management. And the reason why we call it biology-based money management is simple. It's because you already know to spend less and save more. Right? I do. But we don't. Everybody yeah. says, you know, uh, whatever. We're living for YOLO. You only live once, right? YOLO. YOLO? Is that what that means? That's a, yeah. When you see a YOLO, it's usually a millennial. <laughs> you only live once. And they're flying by the seat of their pants and they're broker than broke. It's kind of like a carpe diem, huh? Exactly a carpe diem. It's a, it, it's the new millennial version yeah. of carpe diem, if you will. Uh, so since we already know this, why don't we do this? If it was all about knowledge, because people say, oh, well, you know, he just didn't know any better. And so it's not about knowing more uh, because uh, it's it's about action and it's about an action results down to behaviors, right? And we are biologically set up to fail at long-term management based on our biological drives. Yeah. Even though we have invented computers that think faster than us now, that can literally compute faster than us, we still process information the same way when we were eluding saber-toothed tigers. Mm. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to overcome that and be able to work with the way our biology works in order to manage money effectively. And that's what is, in essence, are the keys. 
So the first key is acceptance and affirmation. You've got to say, hey, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And uh, maybe you've made mistakes. So whether you're starting out or starting over, You've got to accept that you are where you are as a result of the actions that you take. So um, we have to think in terms of, well, you know, if we measure our success in that way, you know, we say, oh, well, I meant to be a millionaire, but I'm not even a thousandaire. <laughs> I'm not a hundredaire. Yeah. I'm a negative $37.22 heir. <laughs> then... <laughs> then, uh, you know, it's not that we weren't successful. It's that our actions led to that result. So, so we were successful in that respect that our actions created our outcomes, you know, so you, you take actions and plus resources equal outcome. All right. So you got to either change your actions or your resources. You may not always be able to change your resources. Maybe you can't get a better job right now because you need more education, mm-hmm. you know, so, so you might not be able to change the income part of your resources, but what you can do is change the actions that you take with what resources you have. Woo! Isn't that amazing? So actions plus resources equal outcomes. So using that financial formula, uh, that's how we can move forward by being able to take action. But it's not just about taking action. So the first step we have to take is to accept we are where we are and what we know or what we did got us where we are. So if we want something different, if our outcome isn't what we wanted, then we're going to have to change something. And most of the time, it's going to have to be our actions. Because you can add more resources, but if your actions stay the same, you're going to still get the same outcome. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just the nature of the beast. Because people that are perpetually broke are spending everything they have. They're not saving a critical action. Okay? And so just because you add more resources, more money is not going to fix a situation if you never save. You're just going to be blowing at a bigger proportion. Yeah. So we have to accept where we are and, and identify that we have to make change. And then we need to start affirming ourselves because we might have behavior patterns that are deeply ingrained upon us that we're not worthy of wealth, that we might not be good at managing money. Somebody might have told us something. We had some sort of experiences that led us to manage money in the way that we do. And it wasn't a formal education. Those informal educations have more impact on us than the letters and acronyms after your names. Um, Because, you know, education... uh, is not always experience and experience most of the time will trump education, especially if it was ingrained in behavior. Mm -hmm. So then we have our take action, make assessment. And because we manage money, um, not based on money, but what affects our money management has nothing to do with money. So we have to start assessing, we have to do a financial assessment, but we have to do a behavioral assessment not just how much we're spending, because it's easy to say, well, I'll spend less and save more. But then again, we don't. And we have no idea why. And it's because we didn't assess what's driving those behaviors. So that's where this assessment comes in, because we're looking for something specific. Then we get to the fun part. We create our goals using our dreams with deadlines, goal achievement strategy. And then we take a knowledge assessment. After we create what it is we want to know, we have to do a mental inventory of what we do know. And we do that from uh, a position of what we should know, 
about money. And so this is where we learn about the three, five financial philosophy and address the three questions and five areas of concern that make successful money management. And so we'll learn that in the fourth key. The fifth key has everything to do with our biology and that's take emotion out of the picture. And as we've been talking, we, we, we should probably evolve the key to take engagement out of the picture because it's not just about emotions. It's about the biological engagement that occurs. It triggers Mm -hmm. the event or the action that's taken. And emotions are actually experienced after the actions are taken. And so that becomes part of the challenge. So here we're going to learn how to disengage from uh, the particular event um, or experience so we can be objective when we revisit it to manage it effectively. Then we move into hope for the best plan for the worst, because one of the things that we know about the brain is that it doesn't make value judgments subconsciously. That's a conscious thing. All the brain deals in are knowns and unknowns. You know, and and that's how you get people that, you know, like um, uh, multi-generational child abuse is a great example. If that's what they were exposed to, then they the assumption is if my parents did it, it must be right. And so they perpetuate the violence, not knowing that it's wrong socially or, you know, ethically, whatever it might be. So uh, here's where we learn how to address the unknowns in our lives because, uh, you know, when we create a plan B, we alleviate the worry about the unknown from our brain so we can focus on achieving our plan A, which is what we did in Dreams with Deadlines. Then we move to break the budget because now we've had a long enough assessment period that we can look at what is happening in our finances and when. Because the why is not so important. Why? Because we're getting, you know, engaged, you know, uh, biologically, we're becoming engaged in a situation. And so, so we know what the why is, you know, the specific why is not relevant, but we need to know is what is happening and when is it happening so we can figure out the how to resolve it because it's not about spending less and saving more. That's only part of it. We got to, we also have to modify the behavior behind those ineffective decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then we learn after that is to uh, not make seasonal exceptions because that's the first thing we do once we get on track is then we allow ourselves to be derailed by some sort of special occasion or significant life event. And so we learn how to overcome that with grace and style and we use etiquette to uh, achieve a nice circumvention to overspending. And so that's, that's a, it's a perfect way to be appropriate and memorable, uh, without going into financial ruin to do so. Then we learn to start moving forward in our three questions and five areas of concern in building financial freedom. And that's creating credit. We understand what credit is and how it functions as a tool for building wealth and not just accumulating stuff that we haven't paid for yet. (laughs) And then we move into remember real estate. And this is where we start doing our assessments because we can really catapult our ability to build wealth and create financial freedom by using the power of tangible assets. And from remember real estate, then we went to uh, last week's or two weeks ago, we talked about forget the perfection principle. 
And we learned about focusing on the progress of the process and not the perfection of the process, because this is a process. Life is a journey, not a destination. It's not a race either. And so knowing that we have to make adjustments for the terrain. And so by letting ourselves off the hook and forget the perfection principle, then we move on to our quarterly uh, review, revise, and recommit are practicing the three R's, which helps us stay on target for financial freedom, regardless of what life throws at us, which brings us here today. And now we are at become a voracious reader. And this is how we sum up all of our keys. You are listening to the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. And this segment is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for uh, Keys to Riches radio listeners today. Visit KeysToRiches.com forward slash KeepMyID and start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So we are now talking about becoming a voracious reader. Reading does amazing things for us. And, and you know, I, I spoke about the, the money drama of people saying, I'm never going to do it. Well, here's what reading does for us without us even realizing it. Okay. So when we read great writing, number one, it's permanently etched. It, when, when we read information or a story, it materially alters the brain. That's why it's important to read good stuff and not gossip magazines. And it's always so funny when my husband and I go on a trip and we hit the little newsstand and uh, I go get um, copies of The Economist and because I like to look at worldview stuff and, and, and I pick up um, other type of business magazines. And he gets people, right? And, and he gets people and The <laughs> Enquirer and uh, he refers to his publications as quality publications and I'm reading trash. (laughs) And uh, it's just so funny. You know, it makes me think of that quote and I can't remember who said it, but it was a really famous woman. And it says, um, uh, great minds talk about ideas. Average minds talk about events and um, uh, inferior minds talk about people. You know, and so I think about, okay, uh, you want to learn a lot about somebody, take a look at what's up, what books are on their shelves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ones that they've read that you can see your dog ear and that have been read actually, not just the ones that that people put up there when they give them gifts of books, but it materially alters your brain, you know? So now, now being able to recall it into conscious memory after we read it, you know, is another thing, especially when people have test anxiety for exams and stuff like that. So, so I'm not talking about recall, but, but initially as you read something, it materially alters your, your thinking, your, your, your brain chemistry, uh, and the neural pathways. So that's an amazing thing. Uh, another thing that reading great writing does for us is, uh, especially if we live works of fiction or we're reading biographies is we get to live vicariously through somebody else. And if it was well-written, we can actually experience the emotions that they experienced. So we get to truly walk a mile in another's shoes when we read about the challenge, the adversity that they overcame, the elation they experienced when they succeeded, the disappointment and the self-flagellation when they failed. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't get that 
if you don't read. <laughs> no question about you it. You know, because uh, when you watch something on the TV or on a movie screen, you are getting the actor's interpretation of those words. You know, you're getting the director's view of what he wants to you to see. It's a visual, like, eyeball thing. Yeah. But with a book, you imagine, visualize, picture. You're the director. You create that flowing white gown when you read about it. You, uh, you feel, you experience on so many more levels than just the visual level of someone else's interpretation. Mm-hmm. So one of the great things about the brain is is it can't really tell in the subconscious it can't tell the difference between an imagined event or an experienced event. That's why a lot of different cognitive behavioral therapies and psychotherapies use visualization techniques to help, uh, especially in the energy psychology and coaching professions. You can go back and alter your perception of past memories by changing the experience um, by being able to visualize something else. You know, if you are experiencing a past event that maybe was traumatic and it's in color, maybe you can make it black and white to desensitize it. If it's hot, if it feels hot, you make it cold. If it's dark, then you brighten it up. If it's big, then you shrink it. If it's small, you 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 enlarge it. So you can do these things and, and change how you materially hold stuff. And you can't do that if, if you're looking at somebody else's interpretation. Uh, so by being able to read great writing, it also allows you other people's points of view. So it gives you the opportunity to, to consider in a situation, especially in, in debates or arguments. What I like is that you can jump into each person's mind to figure out what they're thinking at that time. So it gives you without even trying to learn strategy, you, cause you'll sit there and you'll watch as, as this argument unfolds in a book, you'd be like, no, you shouldn't say that. Or yes, you should say that. So now, because you have just lived it technically, because again, the brain can't tell the difference between, or the subconscious brain doesn't tell the difference. It's memory is a memory. Um, that now you have resources that you didn't have for strategy, for, for argument, you know, for fighting, for whatever, mm-hmm. you know, cause you learn and, and, and you absorb it through somebody else's experience. You can make it your own. That the brain is so super powerful. The only thing that that uh, differentiates us from schizophrenics is our conscious ability to differentiate between the real and imagined event. You know, uh, but but the brain is so powerful, and and reading is that gift for us. You know, so uh, imagine if you are in a heated debate, but you've been reading about this topic, and you've been reading about how others discuss this topic, and you've seen these arguments play out. It gives you the words you need at the moment that you need them. Even if you've never used those words before personally, now you have a resource to draw upon Mm -hmm. where you can argue your point more effectively. And argue is not a negative thing. It's part of debate. Oh, sure. So so I want to be clear about that. We're not looking to cause conflict, but argument is, you know, um, without, you know, heat and emotion and stuff is how we debate things. You know, it's called an argument, but but it doesn't necessarily have a negative connotation to argue. As a society, we've 
really lost how to do that. Yes, the art of negotiation, of debate and argument, especially hatred and and, you know. Well, yeah, we we go to these extremes. We do, and then we have to have our safe zones on campus because we're worried about offending people. But but how you know if we can't stimulate somebody else? You know, I mean, when somebody is quote offended, it's their choice to be offended. Yeah. You can't offend anybody without their exactly, permission. Exactly. You know, just like you can't control or manipulate somebody without their permission. You know, uh, so so reading gives us all of these things in addition to the actual education, the information you yeah. need. Because w- what I say about what we do and the keys to riches financial philosophy is this it's your financial foundation. Okay. You know, so once you create the foundation and you create the behavior patterns, which is what we're after, now you need to go learn how to invest. You need to learn how to manage your property effectively when you go into real estate as an investment. Whether or not you delegate it, you need to learn how to do that. When you invest in the stock market, whether or not you actively manage it, you need to know what's expected of the person who is so you can effectively interview and hire the right person. The only way to do this is to read about it. Yeah. You know, and to read about it more than one time. You know, three books by three different authors will give you a well-rounded opinion. You want to try to find the ones that that don't, that they're not all saying the same things because then you can glean what's most important to you out of it. Well, that's it for this week's Key, and that wraps up this season of the Keys to Riches. Stay tuned for next week's show where we start the keys all over again. And uh, for more great resources and information to help you get your money mind right, please visit visit us at keystoriches.com. And uh, for the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2016 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.